Okay, so now we're recording. Sorry, we. <laughs> Shall I your... tell the story? I'm sorry. Again? <laughs> okay, do you want to record your marzipan dildo story? <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. Inappropriate well, gifts. For, for our listeners, Carl was saying mm. how he doesn't like marzipan. It's disgusting. Which is a travesty. Absolutely. Yes, awful. marzipan is a travesty. <laughs> no, you are a travesty. And um, I was saying that I threw a brick of marzipan at the school nutritionist today. And she was very happy about it. Sure, she's just filled with Christmas spirit. <laughs> I was like, Merry Christmas! <laughs> threw it at her. <laughs> like, clonked uh, in the head. Yeah. She will be taking a sick day tomorrow to recover from the damage that... <laughs> but the you know, she'll have marzipan to eat while she's sick, so that's why. <laughs> that's fine. So she'll be tortured on top of missing work. <laughs> I know. <coughs> I, I don't know what... I don't know what Japanese people think about marzipan, actually, don't... It's not a popular sweet here, mm. so... No, I do remember when I first came over here, I gave my school staff a, like, a big bag of saltwater taffy. Oh, gosh. And it saltwater was... taffy, that's disgusting Exactly stuff. their reaction to it. And I was just like, yeah, I don't like it either, but it's American. <laughs> also, Isn't that most summertime? American things? <laughs> oh! <laughs> I submit... Uh, New Orleans food. Uh, Untouchable. Right, so okay. That's, that's ours. And See, that's I good. haven't been to New Orleans. I really mm. want to go. But they all, just to go back to the taffy thing before we move on. Yeah. It was the dead of summer. So all the saltwater taffy just like turned into this like horrific blob <laughs> on the table. And it's like, I did not think this through. Mm. So I'm sure they're still chipping off chunks of like saltwater taffy. Or from... just, you know, having their teeth <laughs> industrially cleaned. <laughs> Power washers. All right. Um, we should probably say who we are. Yes. Yeah. I'm Kyle. And I'm Benjamin. And this is Edicts on Edicts, a podcast about Emily Dickinson. But now she fucks. And she does. Well, yeah, she has fucked. She has fucked. Well, yeah, she has. She has done sexual things. She has. Well, how are I we mean, defining what... fucking? I think anything where you and another person slash persons mm. get sexy together. Mm. Is... Oh, then she has definitely done that. Yeah, okay, right. Cool. That's what I think as well. Yes. Because um, we are watching the Apple Plus TV show yes. Dickinson. Dickinson. Episode by episode mm-hmm. each week and commenting on it with our general thoughts and knowledge and expertise. Man, there are regarding... inverted commas around that knowledge. Oh yeah, and the expertise as well. I don't know anything about Emily Dickinson, but here we are. She's a woman. She's a woman. That's a good start. Well done, I Kyle. Am... Therefore, I am allowed to talk about you her. You are allowed another chocolate from the Thank bowl. You. you can take one. I will. So last episode, yes. <laughs> you just putting it on. Put it, well, because I don't want to have chewing noises. Oh, that's true. That's disgusting. We are not that podcast yet. We're, we're going to get there, <laughs> though. I'm going to have a, I'm drinking tea. a burgeoning fetish audience. Um, yes. Last episode. We don't already. <laughs> but last time we watched the episode Wild Nights, episode three. Yes. Where Emily has a house party. She sure does. And uh, there was a lot of And Lavinia runs away with it. Yeah, Lavinia was... That was... That was Lavinia's episode, it yes. really was. Um, great, great work there. Uh, I definitely felt like the most interesting parts of the show were the comedic aspects and the, mm. um, some of the best jokes so far was in that episode three, I think. Mm. Like when we had the, the uh, little kitty pillow for, oh, yeah. <laughs> to use as a tampon. And the, the, what are they called? The petticoats? Oh yeah, when she's pulling up her petticoats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, but it's time to move on to episode four. Episode four. Yeah, and what is episode four called? Episode four is called Alone I Cannot Be. Do you want to read the description for our lovely people? 
Emily seeks help from an author, John Mulaney, when her favorite tree is threatened. Okay, just to be clear, John Mulaney is not the name of the author. No, definitely not. Um, now, I have to say, when I saw the description of this episode, yes. warning bells rang in my head, <laughs> and I was like, oh, are we gonna... Because we were thinking, after watching episode three, that maybe the quality was starting to... Ramp up. Ramp up and improve. Yes. Um, so I was. I had a few nerves going into this episode. What, okay. what do you think about... The, what do you think is going to happen in the episode? Okay, so this is the one time where I am aware of another thing that is happening in the show because I did read some reviews of it when it first was released. Right. So I'm aware that John Mulaney is playing Henry David Thoreau, mm -hmm. the famous author who wrote Walden. Yes, so I assume there will be lots of like hipster jokes surrounding him and like his desire to live in the wilderness and you, be like a environmentalist. Do, do we know anything about Walden? Because I, I haven't read it. I, in fact, I had not heard of it okay. until the, I watched this. So. Oh, wow. Okay, so yeah. it is like quintessential American environmentalist literature. I have not read it, uh, but Thoreau is famous as being one of the like first forms of what has become like modern environmentalism as far mm -hmm. as like respecting nature. There's a lot of debate as to how much he actually lived within nature um, and how much of it was just the presentation that he gave to people, which, you know, seems like he may have not only been the father of modern environmentalism, but also the first Instagram influencer. Right. Yeah. I can see the thread there. Mm. I mean, I'm looking at the Wikipedia article now and I'm like, how come I haven't read this? Because it seems to fall directly in yeah. the kind of thing I would read. Yes. Um, I mean, just for historical details, apparently Walden was published in 1854. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, completely contemporary with mm -hmm. Emily Dickinson and yep. that kind of time. Um, and it says here on Wikipedia that the book can be seen as performance art. Hmm. I'm not sure how that quite wow. works, but um, that's what it says. Interesting. But yeah, apparently champions simple living and self-sufficiency. Hmm. We'll have to see how far that goes. Right. I mean, the episode does talk about her uh, favourite tree. Favourite tree will be threatened. Why do you think the tree's threatened, Kyle? What's <sighs> the, threatening the tree? The patriarchy. The pa you know, how is the patriarchy threatening Capitalism. The capitalism. <laughs> They're going to cut down this tree and sell it for mm -hmm. uh, timber. Is that the... I assume that this is also the tree that she made out with uh, Sue under, so that it'll be symbolic apples. Uh, so you think um, that there'll be like a... She's relating the tree to her relationship with Sue and she doesn't want to... And also it'll be a nice apple tie-in. Ooh, mm. yeah, that's true, right? So, it condemns and celebrates capitalism. Welcome to 2019. <laughs> um, so let's think about quickly yes. our anachronism bingo. Oh God, okay. Do you think there'll be any anachronisms? I think there'll be. I think the casting of John Mulaney is like already an anachronism. So really, how come? I mean, he's just like premier urban hipster American comedy. Like, I have found bits of his comedy to be pretty funny, but in general has not totally clicked with me. Mm. Um, but, so I imagine that that sort of stunt casting will be a form of its own um, anachronism as far as like playing up hipster things. Uh, Do you think that like maybe when, if Emily meets him, 
there'll be like loads of hipsters around. Ooh, well, hmm, like he's gonna have groupies, or yeah, like, like or something. Uh, no, no, because they already did that in the house party episode. That's true. So yeah. I don't think they'll do that again. I don't know what they'll do with him. I think the performance art thing might get played up. Mm-hmm. Now that you've mentioned it, like the performative nature of his work will somehow be like recontextualized into a modern idea. That's my guess. We'll have to wait and see. Yes. So we're going to watch the episode together and then uh, Mm -hmm. get back to you guys and let you know what we thought about it. All right. Let's dive in. Alone, I cannot be episode four of Tickinson. Here we go. Good? Yeah. All right. We're rolling. Excellent. Okay. Excellent. So. Yep. uh, That happened. That happened. I know. Yeah. What did you think of that? Uh, So should we summarize the episode just for the listeners? Sure. Um, Emily's tree is threatened by the patriarchy and capitalism in the form of her father signing away some land rights so they can put the railroad through. So I was right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And what's, uh, what's her like? solution to this problem of she will go find noted literary environmentalist henry david thoreau and he will write a letter and this will cause the noted literati of amherst to want to save the tree it's a it's a sterling plan from the very beginning Mm. one that surely cannot fail yes and yet and yet. First of all, I just want to say shout out to the Dickinson Art Department for yes. whoever did that picture of Jenna Maroney. Yes. In the background of the Austin Jacket scene. A plus art department. Yeah, and again, I felt like watching the episode, like the strengths in the episode were not in the main no. storyline. No of what was happening or even in like what Emily is doing. No. Like I didn't find that interesting really at all. No. But a whole host of like secondary characters Mm -hmm. were really more interesting or, or had stuff they were doing that. I mean like some of the comedy in this episode was really good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I laughed the hardest that I've laughed watching this show probably with Jane (laughs) Krakowski's delivery of like, (laughs) I held my legs together while giving birth to them, (laughs) which is just, an actor knowing exactly what kind of show they're on yeah and knowing exactly what to say like exactly how to deliver that line yeah and also like um (coughs) how austin is kind of portrayed to be pretty dumb really like Mm -hmm. he doesn't really know what's going on around him or what he's doing i was amazed that he just like started jerking off in the living room (laughs) as like all these women like in the house and he's Mm -hmm. just like it doesn't matter. <laughs> like whip it out. Real well. I guess he doesn't whip it out. He just sort of rubs it. Yeah, we don't really see anything. No. More, we saw. We see Mrs. Dickinson's reaction. That's Apple sort of. TV. Where's my explicit content? I know. More sex. More sex. More penises. More. Yeah. <laughs> TV needs that generally, anyway. But mm, um, yes, society needs that. Society. I don't know whether we can argue that society needs more penises. Well, more visible penises. More visible penises. Okay, maybe. I can see that there's some kind of argument to be made there. I want there. my great equalizer. <laughs> Moving <laughs> on. Um, yeah, like some of the comedy was great. I, I love Lavinia's attempts oh to God. get married are getting wilder oh and wilder. And the whole thing about like trying to get kidnapped by Native Americans yes. and and, you know, Sort of. It's 
it wonderfully reflects the thinking of people at the time. Oh man. And like her wearing that headdress. <laughs> and then and then her mother being like, who do you think would want, why do you think the <laughs> Indians want you anyway? Like, Amazing. It's so harsh. I feel uh, so bad for Lavinia, especially because in real life she right. never did get married. Lavinia continues like, to be a tragic comic figure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh. I'm actually like, if Emily, like I understand why no one would want to marry Emily because she behaves like such a bitch half the time. But Lavinia, mm. I'm like, oh, she's kind of, yeah. you know, eccentric, but... Yeah, Lovable, she, maybe. She's kooky. She's feel, kooky, feel yeah. too close to Lavinia now. She's kooky. I am identifying too much with her. Um, um, I continue to be completely unimpressed by John Mulaney. Sorry out there, come at me, John Mulaney stands. His SNL sketches don't do anything for me. No. I don't find him funny either. Like, um, I have to confess, like, I didn't really know. I'd seen him before. Like, yeah, I'd see, I recognized yeah. his face. Um I didn't know exactly who he was mm -hmm. prior to this, mm -hmm. um, but I have seen some of his sketches and I didn't think those ones were very funny. Yeah. And then seeing him in this, I was like, oh, this is a bit, yeah. a bit boring. Meanwhile, like the actress who plays his sister for literally 30 seconds shows up and is better. Yes. <laughs> like, she was great. She was great. <laughs> just like, hey. Um, what do you think the message of the episode was supposed to be? Or like what? Because like, I feel like, there's a parallel between this mm -hmm. and shows like, and dare I say it, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Because it's like the Sabrina, new one, the Chilling Adventures one? No, no, the old one with the Melissa, Melissa Joan Hart, Hart yeah, one? Because in that one, it was like every episode, she does some kooky thing uh, and then she learns a moral lesson sure, at the end. Sure. And like in this show, Emily like does some kooky thing. Right. She gets on her high horse and right. then usually she gets knocked off of her high horse. Right. And she learns like a lesson. Yeah. Which has happened in every episode right so far right um but i felt like the message of this episode mm -hmm. was not so clear or like what, what the... was it to you like it's weird because she spends i think the message of the episode was twofold and it had nothing really to do with the tree or the railway which were like the main points okay i think the message was about the first one i think was about being authentic mm -hmm. and like fakery mm -hmm. um, because we see that with the Thoreau character right? Yes. because he's a total fake basically right. and, yes. he's, and that crushes Emily when she realizes because she goes to interview him not, right. well, she goes to visit him and then he's like not what she imagined right and he says like really explicitly don't what's it don't meet don't your, meet your heroes yeah um, have you ever met a hero of yours um hmm. hero of mine I did once run into Brittany Howard of the Alabama Shakes. Yeah, I know. Yeah, on yeah. the street. Wow. Here. And I have to say, she fucking ruled because I went up to her and I was just like, are you Brittany Howard? She's like, yep. She introduced me to her girlfriend at the time. I told her I'd been trying to get tickets to her show, but they were sold out. And then she had me put her name, like my name into her phone, and she got me VIP tickets to the Alabama Shake Show. What? So sometimes meeting your heroes fucking rules. What? You, yes. You're like, oh, maybe I have. And then you have this amazing story about me, <laughs> Brittany Howard. I mean, but like, I love you know, Alabama, I love Alabama Shakes. Queer so women good. of color be ruling. Yeah. White dude heroes, eh, they suck. Yeah. So... Shout out Brittany Howard, you're a fucking badass and I love you. I feel like all of my heroes are make-believe characters in books mm. and novels. Okay. And I never, 
obviously we'll get the opportunity to meet them. And I don't have any illusions about the authors being their characters. Like I sure. Like I often admire characters and I, I always remind myself when I when I admire a character, I'm like, yeah, but that's the author who's been able to curate this person right, to right. make them an ideal or like really right. interesting. Yeah. Um so the I don't have any illusions about those people being real. Mm-hmm. But I, if I was asked like to choose someone to model myself on, I would choose the characters in fiction that I've most been mm. influenced by. Well, yeah, um, that makes sense because they are, like you said, curated. Yeah, or like I to to be able to say like this person has some ideal qualities that mm. I would like to pursue or like to reach out to. Mm-hmm. I don't think I have any real life heroes. Like I don't admire celebrities at all. Really, yeah, as someone who has encountered a lot of them, you shouldn't. No. Well, there you go. That's name names. You won't name names. That's not a this shame. episode. Not this episode. <laughs> keep listening. Keep, yeah, keep listening, guys. One day I'm going to get <laughs> Carl totally drunk, and then we'll find out all of the industry secrets oh, he's been God. carrying around. Yeah. Um, um, so okay. So that was the don't first meet your heroes, thing. Right? Don't meet your the, heroes. The concept of fakery. Yeah, sure. and like being authentic, and the fact that Emily right. is very authentic. Right. But then in that same scene where she, they're having that discussion with Thoreau. Emily makes the point of like, uh, you don't know true loneliness until you write poems that then no one mm-hmm. reads. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the episode, like the ne- title of the episode is Alone I Cannot Be. Right. And I think the point in the episode is that Emily has this ideal vision of herself as a loner. Mm-hmm. And we know from real life that she became like a recluse and lived in one, basically one room or like one area of the house for the second half of her life, basically. Mm. Um, But actually she, while she has this ideal vision of herself as a loner, Mm -hmm. the reality is she doesn't Mm. really want to be alone. And like that is reflected in the fact that she says she doesn't want to marry, uh, what's his name? George. George, yeah. But then when they're on their way back from, from, uh, was it Con? Conrad? Concord. Concord. Concord, yes. yeah. When they're on their way back, she's like cuddling up to him and she's taking solace in him and like she rests on his shoulder, which I think perhaps right. expresses like her opening up and understanding like, oh, like maybe being alone isn't such a realistic mm. goal. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I mean, I, take the, I took that moment as just a profound disillusionment on her side because like mm, she's just I sort think... of reeling from this book that episode establishes means so much to her and then realizing that the person behind it is lying but yeah I see what you're saying to me like the point of the episode comes down to that the ending bit of her and her father at the tree and like discussing what a tree is and what the root system of a tree is and Mm. how like they serve as mirror images of each other but are still part of the same whole Mm but it's a secret self that you never actually see. And I think like that's what she is talking about in her confrontation of the Thoreau character, which is like, you don't know what it is to be authentic because everything is the performance for him. Mm. Like, whereas Emily isn't doing what she's doing for accolades or for attention, she is doing it because it's like, what she is called to do and that self stays hidden and like her work stays hidden Mm. nobody sees it during her lifetime yeah so like her poems become her root system Mm. so like people can see emily out in the town 
but they'll never actually know this other side of her in her lifetime. Yeah, and I was reflecting on that mm. too, like that, that thing of, it's so strange that the Emily we know mm -hmm. is the internal Emily. Right. Because the bit of her that survives for us is the stuff that she wrote down that was deeply personal to her. Right. Like her letters, her poems. Right. Those things that were born directly out of her mm. subconscious life mm -hmm. and her private life. Mm -hmm. But to the people of, and we are not able to see her public life because right. she doesn't exist anymore. Right. And we right. are not able to see what she was like in mm. public. Whereas to the people of Amherst during her time, it's the complete opposite. And so when I was thinking about the tree right. and the mirror images of the mm -hmm. internal life and the external life, I was thinking like, Emily is sort of, I don't think this is the point in the show, but this is what I'm thinking when I think about that mirror image. Like in Emily's lifetime, the people around her knew the tree. Right. Because they yeah. saw what was on the surface and they mm -hmm. saw the leaves and everything. Right. But to us, we can't see the tree. We just see right. the roots. Right. And that's, well, that's kind of all that's left. Yeah. yeah. And it's kind of similar to how in real life, when trees die, sometimes they fossilize. Right. And it's like we just have the fossilized roots mm. that remain of Emily, but we right. don't have the, right. the actual tree anymore. Like all that any of us can leave behind are our root systems. Like yeah. The secret selves that we don't, you know, present to others. And I guess we just hope that the root system is strong enough to become fossilized. Yeah, because I think. For a lot of people, that stuff just gets lost, you know? Right. And yeah. it's weird that that ties into the sense of performance because, right. in a way, Emily's poetry, even though it's private to her in her lifetime, it is a kind of performance. Oh, for sure. She's yeah. still c continuing to perform right. for us right. now. Right. And that's how we know where to look for the roots. Mm. It's interesting to think about, like, so I opened it by... First of all, I just want to say I did not watch this episode before recording the first no, half of it. No, no, no. So it's weird that I managed to hit on Taffy and then Taffy. I got a, know. A call yeah, out. you saw the Taffy, and when you wow. when you mentioned Taffy at the beginning, I was like, oh, oh shit, it's he knows coming. America so well. Uh, what can I say? But <laughs> also, like calling Thoreau sort of like the Instagram influencer of his day, yeah. where he's just sort of presenting this. But like, we're all sort of terrified at the thought that our root systems aren't strong enough to survive us. And so we would rather be this like performative tree to sort of show that we are thriving and we're good and like look at how great we are mm. rather than sort of cultivating that root system. Yes. This is me getting way too philosophical, but like, and not engaged with the episode at all. No, that's but, fine. Like, that's fine. It is something that I think about where we're surrounded by content, we're surrounded by data, like we just are constantly putting ourselves out there. And yet I wonder, like, we celebrate that too, as like, you know, so-and-so posted like a, an honest photo of themselves to like help us understand our, our own um, but that, insecurities or shortcomings yeah. or something like that. But like that comes from a shortcoming and an insecurity and yeah. a fear of death and a fear of a, like inattention, mm. a fear of a lack of affection. Mm. And like I wonder, oh my god, I'm identifying way too much with Emily now. But no. like just the concept of we're all so terrified of death, death and being forgotten yeah. that we neglect the thing that will live after us. Yeah. That the root system is left untended and instead focus on the tree. And is that enough? No, yeah. I think that uh, that's so true for the way we live now. Right. Um, and it is also true that like, um, 
because I'm not a poet. Like I mm. write a little bit, but it, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm not gifted to be a poet, and mm -hmm. that's how it is. Yeah, I um, would be the Austin writing a poem. Yeah, in this situation, sure. And so, but I, I always remember something really interesting that my father said actually, because um, when I was in college, I was studying Carol Ann Duffy, mm -hmm. um, and there's a great line in one of her poems. Um, do you know Caroline Duffy? No, I don't. She's a she's the poet laureate in the UK now, so okay. she's like the poet for the Queen and whatnot. Sure. Um, and she is also a queer woman. Mm -hmm. um, They're gonna save us. That <laughs> we can hope. <laughs> we can hope. No pressure, Brittany. <laughs> Brittany Howard and Caroline Duffy. Send the money now. <laughs> <laughs> listen to the Alabama Shakes. Uh, yeah. Actually, no. Actually, listen do to listen to Alabama Shakes. Actually, listen to her solo album that just came out this year. Oh, really? It's so fucking good. And there's a. I should. I didn't know you listened to the Alabama Shakes. It's been my like album that I listened to the most this year that isn't by Carly Rae Jepsen. So. <laughs> Oh, anyway, <laughs> go on. Sorry, keep talking about you. No, no. Um, so, like, uh, yeah, there's a. In Callan Duffy is famous for writing um, lots of different kinds of poems, but I think primarily uh, some of her best poems are love poems. Mm. And she writes mm -hmm. great poems on the theme of Valentine. Valentine's. Okay. Sure. Um, and one of her poems, called Valentine, I think, although I might be getting this wrong, uh, has a line that goes. Uh, pain past bearing is poetry's price. Um, and I, I was talking to my father about this and I was like, oh, you know, isn't that interesting? I was quite young at the time. I was like in college and I was saying, isn't it interesting? Like she's saying that poets feel so much pain and, and that's how they produce their poetry. And my father said to me, um, no, like ordinary people feel the same pain. Mm -hmm. They just don't have mm -hmm. the gift to express it that yeah. way. And he was like, it's arrogant for a poet to say right. they feel more yeah. pain than other people. Right. He said, if anything, it's easier for the poet because they can express the pain they yeah. feel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I was like, oh, my father's so wise. Yeah, I think that that's... So I actually um, had two weird experiences this year with Van Gogh paintings. Van Gogh paintings, excuse right. me. Yeah. Van Gogh. I've been trying to correct myself. <laughs> anyway, but like I went to, they have an exhibit of his right now in a, in a museum in the city. Yeah. And I went to it and just found myself staring at this one painting and I was really into it and it turned out to be a painting of the garden at his mental asylum towards the end of his life. Mm -hmm. And I just sat there thinking about like, it's funny because like he felt something so strongly that like he just wanted to express it, and he had those tools to express it on some mm. level. Like clearly there were other things going on for him, but I think there is a lot of wisdom in what your dad is saying that like we often search for the tools to express the things that we feel. I think there is a difference in depth, or like maybe a consciousness of the depth. That I think certain artists might have. I think that artists are able to articulate their feelings mm. and therefore maybe understand them better. Right. Like um, that doesn't mean that they feel more deeply or that their feelings are more profound. No. I think it's more that they are able to understand them and are more in touch with them mm. and therefore perhaps are able to process them in a way that exercises that... Um, that but i think to look at the concept of creating art as an 
exorcism of mm. pain is also incorrect. It's not always an exorcism of pain. Like right. I don't want to boil down all art to right. say that it's a way of exorcising pain because yeah. some art is joyful and some art comes out of right. building on right. what you already are feeling. Right. Uh, and that's true for Emily, like mm-hmm. reading her poems, because I've been reading through her poems slowly at work mm-hmm. when I've had uh, free periods and time. Mm. I've been reading through her poems and letters. Mm-hmm. And like one thing that really gets me is how um, when you just read her her short biography mm-hmm. you get the impression of someone who, who lived a really painful tragic sad life mm. but in her letters she often comes across as quite a joyful person interesting um and in her poems as well like there's a sense of the vitality of life even though she reflects on death a lot right and even though she talks about pain and suffering and mm-hmm. these kind of things in her poems i i have to say like the more i've heard things i read the more i get the impression of someone who who even though she suffered a lot was also very joyful right? in I think, some respects. I think there's, in my mind, for, for artists, it's not so much about the, the depth, but that, I guess it is that articulation, but I think being able to feel those things clearly mm. almost makes you more vulnerable to the effects of them. Yeah. Because like, like Emily Dickinson locking herself away from the world for the latter mm. half of her life, or Vincent van Gogh, going to a mental asylum. Yeah. Like, these aren't the behaviors of mentally healthy people. No. So even though they're feeling more, I think, like, they open themselves up to it. That's the thing. I think, like, um, and sometimes I, that's true, and I think sometimes the more, the pe- people who do feel more profoundly and do mm. feel more deeply mm. are sometimes driven to art. Right. Because right. they have to as a matter of survival. Mm-hmm. So I think, like, some... It's not the case that all artists feel more profoundly or deeply, or sure. that poets are innately m- more able to feel. Sure. Or that people that aren't artistic right. lack that capacity. Yes. But it is the case that sometimes people do feel very profoundly and deeply and are driven to mm. trying to mm-hmm. articulate that right. and trying to trying to actualize it somehow right. or to put it into some sort of perspective that's understanding, right. understandable. Mm. Or even just to share it with other people by right. yeah. producing something that others can then <laughs> touch, you know? My other experience with Van Gogh this year was during mm. the summer. Uh, I was in Philadelphia and I went to the art museum there and they had an exhibit of, he was featured in some of it and one of the paintings I saw was uh, Sunflowers, like mm. the painting. And I was in a very strange state given the time of year and what I had just gone through personally. And you could just feel, like, I could just feel, like, stuff radiating out of the painting. This is where mm. I get very new agey. Um, but, like, and all I could think of was, like, he felt something so profoundly that he just wanted to express it. Mm. It wasn't about getting rid of the pain. It wasn't about anything else. He just wanted to capture that and give it to other people. Mm. And, like, in that moment, I felt it. And it was really cool. Well, art is a art of all kinds like whether it's mm. visual art or or any kind of media really mm-hmm. is a means of transmission yeah and that that is one of the glories of it right. you know um and that's one of the things emily's saying in the episode where she's saying like you don't know true loneliness until mm. you have written poems and then no one reads them right um because what she's saying is i'm writing these things in part to express and transmit right the insights and feelings that I have. Right. And then 
no one's sharing that with me. Right. It's just her by herself. Right. Um, mm. And she expresses in the episode about Sue and like her relationship with Sue and how Sue doesn't reply to her letters mm -hmm. and how that's like a painful right. thing for her. Right. You know? Which is more like more every day because we all know what it's like when you send a message to someone you love or like you have sure. a relationship with and then you get no response. <laughs> um, but especially painful, I guess, if you're someone who is writing beautiful poetry mm. to the person you love and then you get no response. Nothing. That must be, yeah. Um, no, it's yeah. weird you say about the sunflowers because I had a weird experience with sunflowers earlier this year as well. Really? Yeah, like um, uh, my grandfather passed away mm -hmm. uh, this year, earlier this year. Um, and I loved him very much and I think everyone in our family loved him very much. Um, and I couldn't be at the funeral because I'm here in Japan mm -hmm. and the funeral was taking place in the UK. Mm -hmm. um, but I wrote a letter to my grandmother and I also posted in like our family's WhatsApp group mm -hmm. chat thing. Because when I was a child, one of the distinct dreams I had, because I've, I've always had really powerful dreams throughout my life. That's one of the things that I always have is really intense and vivid imagery. I remember as a child having a repetitive dream uh, of both grandparents wearing like semi-Edwardian clothing. Remember my grandmother had a parasol, which is really random because I've never seen her hold a parasol in real life in my life, in like the whole of my life. They were in a field of sunflowers and I was there as well. And there was like a decking and a boat. But anyway, there was a field of these beautiful radiant sunflowers. Uh, and a little while before my grandfather died, I had that dream again, which was really strange. And then I wrote to my grandmother saying, oh, well, you know, I had this dream where I saw you guys in a field of sunflowers. And then at the funeral, the flower they chose was sunflowers, mm. which was so nice for me because I couldn't be there. Right. But I felt like everyone else in the family was like, oh, Benjamin can't be there. So like, let's, right. let's do something let's do so something. that he's there, like right. in spiritually in another way. Right. Um, even though like sunflowers probably didn't mean anything to my grandfather, but like, it's, it's so strange that something like that, mm. such a power, I understand why that would be a powerful image. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Random side story. Yeah. No, I don't think it's random at all. Cause it is sort of connected to this idea of like nature and its power. Cause like, I think the issue that she has with what Thoreau has done is sort of like captured nature and turn it into something consumable. Mm. And like the truth is that like it is powerful and unknowable and like we can try to put railroads through it, but like we can't stop it. Mm. And it's so, and you know, the episode is clearly trying to be, whoever wrote it is trying to be relevant to our time and mm. they are being relevant because yeah. At the moment, uh, we're on whoever the... wrote it. It's the showrunner. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Elena Smith. If you ever listen to this, forgive me. <laughs> I'm not in the like. I don't pay attention to this stuff. Like, <laughs> anyway. <sighs> <laughs> sorry, I apologise officially. I've been sc rightly scolded and put in my place. I'll put the dunce hat on for the Thank rest you. of the episode. Thank you. Our readers can't see it, but he did put a dunce hat on. <laughs> Our listeners can't see it. Okay, sorry, I interrupted. Anyway, <laughs> um, it's totally relevant because of how we are on the cusp of this climate right. emergency, yeah. really. Um, and like I, sounds weird, but I knew growing up because um, like we have a big garden back in the UK mm -hmm. and my other grandmother on the other side of the family was a big gardener. She had, she owned a woodland in Kent. Um, sure. Don't, don't look at me like that. And she planted all kinds of plants and things, but mm. growing up every year there were fewer 
mm -hmm. butterflies and fewer bees and mm -hmm. fewer and the ground became dustier and the summers were hotter and like now if you go to where i live in the uk we basically have kind of continental european weather mm -hmm. which is nice for us but not so nice for continental europe who's right. getting like north african weather and then you know um how these things go mm -hmm. uh britain should be a rainy bleak country right um, at the moment where i live it's well right now it's snowing because it's it's yeah. december right um but yeah like it's not correct how it should be really right um no emily's it's, obsession with plants is mm -hmm. really fitting like i mm -hmm. was reading one of her letters today mm -hmm. at school where she was writing to a friend of hers and she was boasting like really boasting about her herbarium yes. she was like have you started a herbarium yet i've started a herbarium <laughs> my herbarium is going to be the best herbarium in all of amherst it's like emily your herbarium is the only herbarium in amherst like you know you, no one else is making a herbarium right now she's like me and lavinia are working on it together <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> i could just imagine lavinia sat in like on the decking like counting the flowers he loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. Today's the day I get married, tomorrow. Today, <laughs> today tomorrow. tomorrow. Today, today, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow. <laughs> Every single time, poor Lavinia. So, what did um, we think? Yeah, wow. Of what was the, for you, what was the strongest element of the episode? Oh my god, Jane Krakowski, again. Yeah, yeah. she's killing she's it. She's crushing it. Yeah, you you went into her like the first I know, episode. and now I'm just like eating crow constantly. I being know. Like, oh, okay, okay. I actually love how in the previous episode, in I think in episode three, Wild Nights, yes. uh, she, uh, that's what my favorite line of hers is when she's like, while well, I'm away, clean, <laughs> clean constantly. I was clean like this. constantly. That's exactly the kind of thing Mrs. Dickinson probably it's did say. So good. Um, but yeah, she did a really good job this episode. Yeah. It's funny because like her comedy worked for me. The, the Thoreau comedy didn't work. And yet like the concept of that storyline worked in a way that... That's like, the thing, yeah. Yeah, the execution wasn't there, but the, the concept worked for me. I feel like the script has a lot of deep ideas in it. Yeah. And in our discussion, we're able to draw those things out and kind of really examine them. Right. And it's so frustrating because there's a lot of promise for like really interesting drama mm -hmm. and like mm -hmm. a really in-depth thing. Right. But when I'm watching it, while I'm watching it, like there were sections of this episode, I was so bored. I was bored too. And I, I was, was like, really bored. <laughs> yeah, for a lot of it, I was just like, oh. and you know, more and more, I don't care about the character of Emily. Really? I. The more we do oh, this, okay. we're on episode four now, the more I read about real life Emily, I'm uh, like, real life Emily is so interesting. I want to get to know real life Emily. I don't always like her poems, but <laughs> but I'm like, I'm with you. Like, you know, she produced a lot. Yeah. Um, but like more and more, I'm just like, the character in the show of Emily yeah. is just not interesting. She seems so dumb. Mm. That's so mean of me, but like, she has no like... Um, I'm still waiting for the like, the the wit to come out because even in her like sparring with Thoreau it just comes down to her calling him a dick I know I guess she's a teenager but th there's a gap between like her producing the poems of her like later age and then speaking like a teenager now yeah that doesn't make Quite. a character that works for me no, no yeah so I guess that would be the for me the weakest element of yeah. this episode would yeah. be Emily. Right. And Emily's okay. dialogue and Emily's mm, acting. Mm, yeah. 
Really? Poor Haley. Poor Haley. Um, I give her the the final conversation, the the tree conversation. I liked that. But I that was that frustrating was cool. as well, right? Because it's like she goes on this long episode long thing to be, prove that she can save this tree, and then her father's like, "I did it for you." And yeah, she, well, she was never going to save the tree. I know, but I just felt like <laughs> at the end, it's like, oh, yeah, you know. I mean, I think. A lot of the problems that we have with the show are sort of it being beholden to a sitcom format. Like, yeah. the problem's going to have to be resolved somehow. Well, the dad did it. Yeah, like, that's true. she's got to have jokes in there that don't totally work. Like, the ideas in it are really interesting. Mm. And then the execution is a sitcom. So that gap doesn't quite work. No. No. Um, and... I would say for me this, like if I, what, what, what's your weakest thing? To, for me in this episode? Yeah. I just didn't care about Thoreau. Like as a, no. as a, I couldn't tell like as comedy, as character, as anything beyond being like the symbol of fakery, which worked for me. But as far as him being like an interesting thing to watch on screen, I could not have cared less. Yeah. I had no interest. Yeah. I think for me, the strongest thing mm -hmm. would be the metaphor of the tree. Yeah. Being like a clever metaphor mm -hmm. that should have had more, mm. more time because right. like Emily goes on this campaign for the tree, but we haven't up till now really seen the tree. Right. And I feel like if they'd even just put it in another episode of right. her like sitting under it. Right. When she's composing a poem or like sitting under it. And then going and doing something else. Like, mm -hmm. if it had just been present at least once before, mm -hmm. it would be like, oh, it is something that right. actually matters that she yeah. is engaged with. Right. But that didn't happen. So, <laughs> but the actual metaphor of the tree right, and the right. idea, like, it's something that is impacting her, does again, kind of work. I think that's like a problem of the format where, you know, this is the thing that we need for this episode. I guarantee we will probably never see that tree again. Like, that's it. I do um, have to say that there was a surprise appearance by a particular actor uh, in this who? episode. Yeah, one second, I'm just getting yeah, wait, the details. What? It was the Doctor from Star Trek Voyager. <laughs> um, but I oh, have to like... Oh, yes! Uh, what's his name? Robert... Robert... <coughs> no, no, I, I want to say like... I, I feel like the name is Robert Picardo or something like that, but I, I, I need to check it. I don't think that's his name. I don't think no. his name is Robert Picardo. Wait, I'm getting confused. Wait, <laughs> just let me just let but me look yes, it up. I do know who it, you mean. It, it fucking is Robert Picardo. Wow, yes! they were. They I got were it. Scraping the bottom of the barrel for I Voyager. Got it. That's, the that's the limit of my celebrity knowledge, right there. Wow, <laughs> we've we this have is found a, the we found the latitude. <laughs> now just the longitude remains unknown. Longitude? Uh, Can I say longitude? Okay. What? <laughs> Um, oh God! Yeah, Robert Picardo. Like he's been in a lot of stuff, actually. But yes, he's I was like, he's yeah, he's a really character like, actor. He's a great character actor, and I I was really surprised to see him. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Nice to see him as a railway engineer. I thought he um, was was he? Yeah, I thought he was just like a dude talking about his daughters. I guess it would make more no, sense. No, he, he was, was there like with the, like the equipment, right. and he was discussing how to do the... He wasn't just there for no reason. <laughs> like, I to... thought I would visit the Dickinsons today. <laughs> like, my daughters are bitches too. <laughs> <laughs> like all the girls in Amherst. <laughs> no, they just don't shut up. All these women with cognizance <laughs> and oh, conscience. Gosh. Okay. 
Shall I read the poem that gave this episode its... Yes. Okay. Let's do that. And then... But I was going to say, there okay, wasn't yeah. really yeah, a yeah. poem in this episode. Right. There's the one at the beginning about the... the, the bringing up bees again. Yeah. Bees Which, and butterflies. I'm still not clear on the significance of the bee, but... She just loves bees. <laughs> like, I guess so. Like, <laughs> that's it. I think Emily Dickinson's just into bees. <laughs> okay. Okay, what was the poem? <laughs> oh, I'm not with it, but okay. So... This week's poem for the episode title was Alone I Cannot Be. Alone I cannot be, for hosts do visit me, recordless company who baffle key. They have no robes nor names, no almanacs nor climbs, but general homes like gnomes, their coming may be known by couriers within. Their going is not, for they've never gone. You can kind of understand why they didn't finish that poem in the episode, right? Because right? like it doesn't really right contribute seem... anything beyond no giving the episode its title. I guess I feel like I would want to ask Elena Smith, right? Um, Thank you. <laughs> she appreciates where she like, whether that poem did have any real impact on the writing of the episode. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. I guess that maybe imp inspired her to think of Thoreau right. in like it's about not really wanting company. Solitude, sure, yeah. sure. But it is, I mean, it is, it is an interesting comment, like an interesting poem. I mean, I was just reading it again. Like, I think the irony is as I do this more and more, I come to appreciate Emily Dickinson more and more as a poet. Mm. Uh, as someone who did not appreciate her in the context of a classroom. Mm. But sort of reading her on her own with critical theory removed and just sort of like emotional exploration. I feel like that's true for a lot of poems though, mm. which is like, um, yeah. not all poets are relevant to you at all stages of your life. Right, yes. And sometimes you uh, sat in the classroom at age 20 or whatever, you're not in, a, in the place where you will understand or be ready to receive yep. that poetry. It's, someone described, uh, my therapist described it as not instant coffee. Right. Which is, you don't get it right away. There's no immediate no. Gratification, gratification. Yeah. Just sort of. You've got to kind of meditate on them and yeah. come back to them several times. Yeah. And uh, slowly their meaning or their significance sinks yeah. in, I think. All right. How many loaves of bread for this episode? Loaves of bread. Yeah. Hmm. I'm going to put it on par with the pilot and I'm going to say six, mainly because of Jane Krakowski and Lavinia carrying the comedy weight like the two queen bees they are oh god, <laughs> oh, god. um but everything else the throw stuff all of it like eh, shoulder shrug yeah at least it gave some interesting conversation which cannot be said for a lot of sitcoms but like mm. yeah just six out of ten i still am unimpressed by john mulaney i think like what you said about the sitcom thing is very true and that maybe i need to kind of lay off of the show a bit and treat it more like a sitcom because mm. like I expect a lot of it because it's about someone who's supposedly very intellectual and right you know so I'm like oh I expect the show to have more <laughs> like depth to it right um for me loaves of bread I'm gonna give it five loaves of bread okay yeah like because mm -hmm. it, it was compared to the previous episode which was so fun and interesting yeah. yeah like it was a bit boring it was there were sections when I got up to make tea so like the receptions where I thought of getting up to check on the tea. <laughs> I was just like, oh, can I help in some way? 
please? <laughs> you're like, do you have any hot water? <laughs> like, pay Can attention I? to the episode, Kyle. You're supposed to be watching. <laughs> I am. <laughs> okay, well, let's hope that the next one is better. <laughs> Um, for now, everyone, you can find us on Anchor, which yes. is where we're um, distributing Hosted, our yeah. podcast. Yes. And if you feel like it, you can email us at edicts on edicts, all lowercase, um, edicts on edicts at gmail.com mm. uh, and complain to us about what a bad job we're doing. Yes. Or give us information about Emily Dickinson. We're happy for that as well. Um, mm -hmm. Or just write in with funny stories yeah. or anything. Tell you me have. how much you're obsessed with Brittany Howard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, or Brittany Howard, write yeah. to us. <laughs> Brittany Howard, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, we love we you. Would love to, we would love to hear from you. Um, uh, yep, yeah, do write to us. Yeah. Uh, and until next time, guys, oh, take wait. care. Kitty count. Oh, the kitty count. Yes. Uh, zero. Yes. So no new kitties this time. <laughs> to Lavinia's great sorrow. Oops. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. bye.